Welcome to Fixed Body Group's podcast. On our show, we speak about our lifestyle-based approach for permanent change. My name is Dr. Sean Robeck. Each week, we'll be helping you with better daily habits that will improve your health for a lifetime. We believe you must be proactive when it comes to taking care of yourself and others around you. Our current healthcare system is broken, and we help you navigate your journey to health independence. Today, we have Jessica Casey on, and we are going to discuss conditions that her son has suffered with at 13 years of age and 14 years of age, and two autoimmune conditions that he was fortunate enough to survive through. Uh, and most importantly, the proactive choices that Jessica and her family took to make sure this never happened again. I hope this podcast compels you to make that first step for a proactive choice to improve your healthcare today. Welcome to our show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, a, a little bit of an intro about who Jess is and our relationship. Jess became an employee of Fixed Body Group about six years ago. And, uh, she believes so much in our product and what we were doing for people and how we cared for people that she got a loan and chose to purchase uh, a little bit over 10% of the business. And uh, she is a big shareholder and a big contributor to what we do and a big advocate. And today's podcast is going to be explaining why it's important to be proactive in your own healthcare. And Jess is going to share some of her stories. And uh, the first and most important thing is that, um, She's been up against a struggle or two with her son, Sean, and uh, I want her to talk about two autoimmune conditions that her son uh, had a, a fight and overcome, which thankfully he has. Uh, so do you mind sharing that story? Let's start with uh, Guillain-Barre and, uh, and your battle against that. Yeah, absolutely. So Sean, well, just a little bit about Sean. He's, he's currently... 20 years old. Um, so this kind of all started back in 2013 when he was in eighth grade. And he basically woke up one morning and felt like his feet were asleep. Uh, over the course of a couple days, we had some trips back and forth to the hospital, to doctors, things like that. And through a spinal tap, he they found elevated protein in his spinal fluid. So that uh, essentially diagnosed him with Guillain-Barre syndrome. And, and for... what that is, is where your immune system, it's an autoimmune condition where your immune system basically mistakenly attacks your nerves. So it slowly paralyzes your body. Um, for Sean, it started in his feet. And in severe cases, which Sean was a severe case, uh, it eventually paralyzed his respiratory system. So he was put on a ventilator. He couldn't breathe on his own. And I imagine the first question you had for the doctor is, why is this happening? How did it happen? It definitely was. And, you know, that is where we were really not given any answers at all other than it is bad luck. And sometimes they basically said that he was more than likely exposed to some kind of virus, uh, whether that was at school or at home or something he ate or whatever. And his body, instead of attacking the virus, attacked his nerves. Can you take us through uh, his recovery? Yeah. So he essentially spent about three and a half months in the hospital, 
uh, most of that being in ICU. And after he was taken off the ventilator, which was about, he was on it for about two and a half weeks. Um, he really had to relearn how to do everything down to like, imagine having to learn how to swallow again. Um, he was on a feeding tube. So little things like that, that we take for granted, he had to relearn how to do. It took him a long time to learn how to walk again. Um, he definitely beat the odds as far as the time frame that he was given. Uh, he had a doctor the, the day he was taken off the ventilator, a doctor, the first thing out of his mouth was, when can I play football again? <laughs> and that doctor said, it's going to be, he kind of laughed a little bit. He thought it was a funny question, apparently, and said, it's probably going to be about a year before you're walking normally again. You'll wow. probably never play football. And how old was he at this time? He was uh, 13. Got it. He was 13. And he had been playing football since he was five years old. He live to play sports and to be athletic and he physical activity was all he wanted to do all the time. And what did he say when the doctor said it'll be a year before you walk? Um, he didn't say anything to be completely honest. He, he took that, you know, he's 13 years old, so he hasn't been, I, I, I don't think he had enough life experience at that point to, not take what that doctor said as gold. Right. And so it was really my husband who had a really long talk with him and said, that's just one person's opinion. And your goal is to prove him wrong. Love that. And he did. So he absolutely did. How long did it take for him to recover? Um, I would say to fully, to fully recover, it was, it was several months. Uh, he did have ongoing physical therapy and stuff like that. Phys- physical therapy, occupational therapy, all kinds of doctor's visits, things like that as far as follow-up. Um, and to be honest, nobody would, none of the doctors or the physical therapists that he saw regularly because of his history would clear him to play football. Right. And all he wanted to do was get back on the practice field. And I eventually just took him to a doctor who had never seen him before. And I didn't share all of his medical history. I let him go through the test that would normally clear somebody to play football. And he passed everything with flying colors. And that's how he was able to get back on the practice field. And can we, obviously for a family to go through something like this and just to be a shock and to be something so rare and to have to experience that and navigate this journey through a condition that's pretty rare. Can you express the frustrations you had going through the process and some of the unknowns that you had to deal with? I think one of the hardest things for us was not really understanding why he got it, why it happened to him. Um, because there wasn't anything that I think at that time, there wasn't anything that we felt like we could do to avoid it happening again. Um, it was really just the unknown that was, that was the most scary that it was hard on the whole family. And I think the lack of information and potentially the wrong information or just trying to find any type of information to help your son make a full recovery 
is uh, where a lot of people that are out there potentially listening um, are in that same boat. Yeah, and I think what happens, and and especially what happened for us, is because it is so rare, there wasn't there wasn't any type of support group. There wasn't other people that we could communicate with that had been down this path before, and so that was really hard for us to. We really felt alone in that the doctors weren't giving us really any information, and we weren't able to access a lot of information other than a couple of Facebook groups that we found. But what happened is when you go on to some of these Facebook groups um, for people specifically with autoimmune conditions like Guillain-Barre, it's, it's hard to read because what, what you see is the most of the people that are active in these groups are people that are still suffering after years and years and years, and you don't really find a lot of hope. And there is a, you know, we we're talking about Guillain-Barre and, and uh, which is an autoimmune condition where the immune system attacks the nervous system. Uh, but this goes for most autoimmune conditions. And um, there's a lot of unknowns and misinformation, poor information, marketing information that's guiding people to make choices. And I think that's um, a challenge for people to navigate this, this journey. And uh, with what you were told that with Sean, it was bad luck to contract this. Then you fast yeah. forward one year, and then what yeah. happened then? So then he uh, he went for just a, re- a regular follow up visit with his primary care doctor, and he was having a little bit of trouble taking a deep breath. And we thought maybe it was something to do with the fact that he had been on a ventilator for a period of time. And the doctor said, "Let's just run some labs, uh, just because of his medical history." They called us back a couple hours later, and they said, we think they mixed his labs up with somebody else, and we need you to take him down to the hospital right now. So at the time, he was at football practice. I had a friend of mine go pick him up and meet me down at the hospital. They redrew his labs, and it came back exactly the same as they did the first time. They weren't mixed up. And they essentially had a conversation with my husband and I saying that they thought he had leukemia because that's the way that this... Uh, autoimmune condition presents itself. And so he ended up with a diagnosis of severe aplastic anemia. And what that is, is another autoimmune condition, same thing where your immune system is attacking your own body. This time it, it was attacking his bone marrow. So he had critical levels of uh, red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets. And he required transfusion. And the next question to the doctor is how and why? Exactly. Wow. What was <laughs> the response? And, <laughs> and guess what? Bad luck again. This kid just has terrible luck. Got it. Um, and I will say that, you know, the first time that we were told it was just bad luck, we kind of, we almost accepted that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when this happened the second time, when he came down with this diagnosis, we were no longer willing to accept it. Um, we knew that something else was going on. And unfortunately, the way that the, the system is set up is they, they want to stabilize. They want to stabilize and treat what's going on right now. And nobody wants to talk about what might have caused it. Right. So essentially, we were told the same exact thing we were told the first time is he probably was exposed to a virus. 
And instead of his immune system attacking the virus, it now attacks his bone marrow. So that's when we really started to look outside of the doctor's office um, and started to do a lot of research on different causes and things like that for both Guillain-Barre and aplastic anemia. So we really wanted to be proactive because our, number one, we were scared. Um, we weren't even through aplastic anemia yet. We were less than a month in to this diagnosis. And we were already looking ahead a year saying, what's going to happen next time? What's his next diagnosis going to be? Mm-hmm. And is that going to be life-threatening as well? Is that the one that he's not going to recover from? And that was terrifying for us. And let's be clear. Sean is a very healthy person, very healthy child, and currently a very healthy adult. (laughs) So it's not as if your son was sickly and, and, and then um, developed these conditions. And yeah, when, you know, when he was getting ready, the, the day that he, um, had those labs drawn before his diagnosis. He was he was at, at football practice, you know, ready. He had his first scrimmage of high school football the next day, and he was the starting quarterback. Right. Well, this podcast is about being proactive and taking control of your own health care and not being reactive and listening to or just waiting for something to happen and then put yourself or your family in the system and, and rely on other people to care for you or your family. And share with us what proactive meant for you after the second diagnosis. So after the second diagnosis, one of the things that, that we found that we were doing that we could, we did have control over was how we were living our daily lives. Um, From the, you know, cleaning spray we were using in our house, laundry detergent, shampoo, lotion, and more importantly, the food that we were putting into our body. Um, so as a family, we all committed to really shifting all of that. And obviously, did it not only help Sean, I think it helped him recover a lot quicker um, than most people do. Because I I think that the the medical part that he was going through as far as the medications he was taking and the treatment he was going through, obviously he needed. But I think that what we were able to do in being proactive and doing it in conjunction with all of that, number one, probably reduced a lot of the side effects of the medication that he was taking because we were decreasing all of the rest of the toxins that were going into the body so much. Um, So we... You know, we were drinking a ton of soda. We were eating out all the time. There's so many different things that we, I would say, our old life right. <laughs> involved that we were, we had to make a conscious effort that if this is one thing that we can control, even if it's only a small percent that we're increasing that rate of him not relapsing, we're willing to take those odds and change our lives so that we can hopefully change his life and not only his, but we have two other kids. So just changing the food and knowing that we're providing a better life for them long-term and for ourselves to be able to be around 
for our kids and our grandkids. Um, it was, it was hard at first, um, but it became so easy after, you know, just a few weeks. And after that few weeks, it was like all those other sweets and things like that, that we used to crave that was gone. It was almost sounded gross. Right. And the, uh, what I'm hearing is that you had enough, you became an advocate for not just your family, but yourself. And, uh, you made lifestyle changes for a lifetime to make sure that we don't have to go down this path again and improve the quality of life of your family and future generations to come. Because after those future generations are going to be watching what you're doing, which will pass it down the chain. So it's a very powerful, um, you know, and I think that what we all have to realize is that we don't have to wait for crazy autoimmune conditions to hit us to make changes. We have opportunities to be proactive starting today. And you can put that one foot in front of the other and say, no more soda today. I'm going to stop putting five pumps of caramel sweetener in my Starbucks coffee. We're going to go to, we're going to, we're going to start learning about how to make lifestyle changes to detoxify our body. So our organs can do the jobs that are designed to do and then feed ourselves the nutrition that's going to fuel and heal our body and decide on a, a fitness program. That's going to not be that difficult, but make sure that it'll give us the energy that we need to move throughout the day, sleep better, decrease our anxiety, decrease irritability, make sure our hormones are doing the jobs that they're supposed to, the job they're supposed to do. And when you do all that, we can minimize the risk of contracting uh, diseases or uh, suffering through conditions that may be unnecessary. And I'm not saying that what Sean went through was unnecessary or we could have prevented it, but certainly having a, a healthier inner state uh, will give our body a better chance to fight off these conditions. And I think we've seen that with COVID. Yeah, I totally agree. And especially, you know, we, we couldn't control anything that, that had already happened Sean or the diagnosis he had received, but we knew that it was in our power to make those changes in order to, like I said, decrease those odds for anything happening in the future down the road. That's right. Um, and that's why I believe in what we do so much is because I've seen it and I, I believe I'm so passionate about it because I know that those toxins are killing us that stuff that we're putting in our body is eating poorly and not exercising. Um, it's not only for people with autoimmune conditions, but everybody. That's right. And our body, if it doesn't have a chance to fight off these infections or diseases because we're polluting it, that unfortunately is our fault. It's not the system's fault we can't treat ourselves in a way where we are and feel entitled enough to say, I'm going to behave in this manner. And then when I get sick, I'm going to go to the doctor, use my insurance card and say, please fix me. It's your job. Cause that's not the case. It's our job to take care of ourselves. And we all know, we know that healthcare in America, the system is broken. It's not the doctors that are broken. The doctors have to fit themselves into the system, unfortunately. And that is sometimes when you get answers like, we don't know, it's bad luck, um, without the suggestions of how can you start to heal yourself within or look for the underlying cause. Doctors are doing a great job for what uh, they're, how they were trained. They're trained to be medical doctors, which means they're 
specialists in providing medical services. They are not healthcare professionals or healthcare um, specialists because they weren't taught health in medical school. They're taught how to fix disease states, not how to stay healthy. And I think that's important when you find coaches and, and uh, providers to support you so you can live a better quality of life is to identify people that learn health, not learn medicine. Use medicine when you need it, but don't rely on it. That's called being entitled. To be honest with you, it's called lazy leadership, lazy, lazy leadership for yourself. But there are people out there to educate you and support you to make sure that you have the right information and not the wrong information or marketing information guiding your choices. Because there is healthcare advice, but you have to find the people that devote their life and their career to helping humans get, it, get better, both internally and externally, so they can live the quality of life that they want, not just for themselves, but for their families. I do have to say that you've been an amazing asset to our organization. Fixed Body Group would Thank not you, be. Sean. You're welcome. Fixed Body Group would not be Fixed Body Group without you. And um, I hope our listeners understand that you can take a proactive approach now and not wait for something horrible to happen to you and then make that decision to help yourself. Uh, so, Jess, thank you so much for your time today. We'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. You too. Have a great day.